0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Health Connect Talk podcast. You are joined with Kate and Rob and occasionally Kate's dog, Ralph. Here we have the chats with health professionals and beyond to find out what makes them tick, to get to know the person behind the profile and to get their spin and take on health and how they implement it in their day to day. We hope you enjoy and we can't wait to share these conversations with you.
1: Hello, and welcome to another installment of the Health Connect Hub podcast. You are listening to Rab and Kate as we chat to great people in health and health related spaces about who they are and why they do what they do. Uh, Kate, good to see you. Haven't seen you in a while. How are you?
0: Yeah, it's been some time now. Um, All good. Can't complain
1: taking over. <laughs> great, great. I'm glad to have you on board again. So today we are thrilled to be joined by Chris Burgess, who's the founder of Lift the Bar. He's an all-around great human. And yeah, I'm just really thrilled to have him on board. Chris, you are most, most welcome.
2: Uh, honestly, guys, I, I appreciate the invite to come and speak to you so much. Um, I'm, when, when you reached out, I was, I was like diligent enough to go and listen to some previous episodes. And I really like what you guys are doing. So I'm, I'm, I'm honored you asked,
1: really am. Wow, brilliant. I appreciate that, Chris, really do. Um, I think you fit the bill of what (laughs) you have. Yeah, yeah, you you know,
2: yeah. (laughs) This is where I go rogue. rogue.
1: (laughs) Um, As an aside for for people listening, I think I first met Chris briefly at a conference in Edinburgh, I think it was the Lift the Bar conference a few years ago, and two things stood out. I was struck by how much taller you were than I ever expected, and then also by how much nicer you were than I probably imagined at the time, even though I was in the Lift the Bar group and I was like, wow, this guy, Chris, seems like a nice dude, but you were an extremely nice dude. So um, yeah. given the space, it was, it was a pleasant surprise.
2: Yeah, no, no, I, I, I appreciate that. I actually, there's something in that that I realize about myself that I'm not very good at putting who I am across actually online. Um, I would always prefer to try and give somebody... Uh, my time in person if I could, because i 'm all body language and hugs Rab. i 'm all body language and hug. <laughs> so uh when it when it comes to meeting people in person, one hundred percent of the time, if I can meet somebody in person i 'd rather do that and that 's going to be a little bit some i mean some of the questions you i know you 've got lined up is going to be why I continue to do in person work ahead of anything I do online
1: yeah yeah i i think I think that really kind of i think that really kind of stands to you as well so Without further ado, I think we might jump in and we'll get into the the questions side of things. Um, I know we'll try and work it as a half and half side, so I'll do the first five and we'll see where we get to. Um, so, Chris, for anyone who's not familiar with you, um, and I imagine there will be plenty of people who won't be familiar with you just by virtue of the space, um, what's your story?
2: Uh Okay, so when when it comes to me being in the health and fitness space, uh, we'll start there. I won't go too far back and too deep because, like, this needs to be a fun time for everyone. Yeah. Uh, so we we roll back to like 2006. I was in this uh, this place where I'd stopped playing football. My hopes of being a footballer had long gone. Um, I was in a in an office job that I kind of liked at the time. Uh, it was okay, and I realized I was. The, the tallest, skinniest lad in the world. I mean, I look like a terrible version of Peter Crouch. And we, like, yeah, 2006. So when we were there, I was not playing football anymore. I was super tall, super skinny, like 11 stone, six foot six, 11 stone isn't a, isn't a good look, in my opinion, for me. And I decided that I should probably, as we're getting married in two years, I should go to one of those things called a gym. I don't know if you two have ever heard of one of those, but I, I joined one. And uh, rabbit changed my life. It really changed my life. Uh, I've been called Lanky. My nickname to my two best friends is Crazy Legs. And (laughs) that's not because of my thick vascularity, Rab. That's because they are never-ending legs with varicose veins. And uh, and so I thought I need to do something to improve my sense of confidence. I was a low confidence guy. And uh, the, the gym genuinely changed my life. I got into okay shape, ready for my wedding. And when uh, I was on my honeymoon, I was speaking to my wife, my new wife, and uh, she was like, "You really enjoyed this process, haven't you?" And I'm like, I, you know, I really have. And at the time when we had that conversation on our honeymoon, I was like, "I think I need to do this for a living." How much this has given me? And mm-hmm. I working, I was working in a sales job, doing a doing a job that was like I say, it was okay. It it was like good career path, full time employment, um, good benefits and pension and all these adult grown-up things. Yeah. But what they're asking me to do in terms of sell, I didn't have complete and utter belief in it. I had enough belief in it to make make a go of it, but not enough belief in it. I thought, well, if I'm in this position whereby I have an ability to speak to people and show them a better version of what their business might look like, what if I could use those skills to navigate someone to feel what I've just felt? What if I could convince someone that going on a journey to improving their health could actually like it could turn their world around, and I had one person in mind, Rob. One person in mind for this, and that was my little sister. It's like if I could use the sales skills I've got over here and the training expertise I've got over here, qualify. I wonder if I could help my little sister change her life around. Mm. And and we, we we got there, you know. In the in the la- especially in the last year, like she's done phenomenally well. She's always been this roller coaster, but uh, every everything that I hoped would come of that career transition, it, it worked. And then as I got better at personal training, uh, I got a few more clients and enjoyed that. And then uh, I continued to, to grow my PT business. And then I realized like after about three years, one of the things I enjoyed most was how allowing new personal trainers to support uh, myself and take on new clients, even if it's taking warm ups, teaching them the rationale behind what I was doing, like guiding new trainers and I thought, I I really love doing the PT bit and I love guiding new trainers. I wonder if there's an avenue whereby, I don't know, if, if a few personal trainers wouldn't mind having me in their corner over the next year to try and guide them towards career satisfaction like I'm finding. And I put a throwaway post on uh, on Facebook back in um, November 2013. Just, I've really enjoyed helping trainers this year like just navigate the first couple of years, growing a bit of a client base, getting really good solid business, business structures that I've learned in other industries. Would anybody want to hang out with me for the next year? And maybe we can get some good guest talks going as well. Uh, and I thought I'd only be able to take like 10 on. And mm. I got like 38 replies of which like 32 trainers said, yeah, I, I, I definitely want somebody to help me out. Like the world is so remote. I feel all isolated as a self-employed trainer. Definitely help me out. I'm in. Uh, and here we are, uh, what, we took 2021 now, aren't we? We're 2021, eight years later, and we've got just shy of 1,200 trainers with us. Yeah. Uh, and it's all based around the same stuff, Rab. So uh, everything works because I still love, at its very core level, uh, the, the, the job that I signed up to do, hmm. which has taken... Um, somebody and giving them the belief that they can succeed in their health and fitness journey. It gives me the biggest kick and I love it so much. So yeah, that's my journey to where I guess where we are now and how my, my health and fitness journey is, is taking us here.
1: Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a really phenomenal story because even as you're retelling that I remember during my time in the lift Bar group, I just remember some of the stories that that cropped up and even some of that whole, ethos and how you approached it by way of you're you're attempting to help the the trainers who are attempting to help the people in their lives and in their sphere and and who they think they can help the most succeed as best as possible so it's this kind of overall kind of approach that is really beneficial to so many people because you're helping i suppose the, the crew that really want to make a difference survive, because again, we, we've know, we've seen how difficult it, it has and can be for, you know, fitness professionals to, I suppose, thrive for want of a better word. Um, and yeah. while trying to stick to their guns, which a lot of the time is actually, I really want to make a difference. I don't really care about like, you know, you know, there's that whole six figure whatever thing going around for, for years and years. And a lot of the guys you're, you're just like, no, we need to shift our focus away from that and be like, you're in it to help people, but I'm in it to help you to thrive as best as possible so that you can continue to help those people. And I think, you know, your story is a prime example of that, um, that inkling of an idea that grows to something which is now so evident in what you've actually done. So Thank you. Yeah, it, yeah, I mean, it's great.
2: I, I, I'm obsessed with personal training. Rab, I could have I could have if we're just talking like I I hate to sound crass, it's not what I like at all, but I could have like financially stopped doing personal training about eight years ago if I really wanted to, Mm. but I'm obsessed by it. I love it so much. And I'm such a needy human being that the ability for me to go into a one-to-one training session with someone and know that I've delighted them and know that I've brought them up a level and know that they're going to go on and live a better version of themselves on this fine Thursday afternoon, simply because of the time we spent together there is nothing more rewarding in my career that i could ever possibly do there's stuff that might be more financially lucrative but for me that in, that sense of reward comes from knowing that a person that i've had contact with is going to go absolutely into their day stronger that is so good it's so good
1: yeah no that's that's unreal that's a it's a really, it's a really nice way to i suppose expand on on what your passion truly is so then in, in a very kind of this was in a similar way you've outlined what has excited you from the onset of this whole idea what kind of excites you about right now then
2: what excites me right now and the most important thing to me by far is my family life like bundled in together with my career from a very young age I've had this idealistic view of what I want my family life to be and it's basically like an upgrade on what my family life was like when I was a young kid so as an example because my mum worked three jobs she was very rarely able to take us all into school and collect us each day she wasn't able to watch things like my football practice it just wasn't available like three jobs to support three kids on her own she is the most phenomenal human being I've ever had the pleasure of meeting I get to call on my mum it's pretty cool But I decided that when I had kids, like I would have the flexibility, no matter what happened, no matter what happened, I'd have the flexibility to take my daughters into school, my kids into school. Mm. So when it comes to my household, the first thing I do every single morning, this might sound a little bit like uh, life coaching, but it's really not. I look at my wife and I think, how can I do my best to make your life as easy as possible today? Because look, she's the one that will like, make sure their lunches are there, make sure their school bags are filled with the right stuff, make sure that they're in the right place at the right time, every single time without fail. She's phenomenal. She's an incredible, incredible mum, but that comes with a lot of pressure. A huge amount of pressure. So, making sure that she has the time and space to decompress, self reflect, and go on long walks, and she feels valued for everything she does. I want to be the guy that my mum should have had when she was raising us. Because if I can do that, I can bring my wife up a level, and my whole household is so harmonious. It's beautiful. I want to have the flexibility in my working day to, if I want to take the girls into school, I'm taking them into school. I don't have to answer to anyone. If I wanna collect them from school, I can collect them from school. So when there's a lot of people that look look down on personal trainers who have to start work at six, like we're starting work at six, you're crazy. Or you'll see the business guy saying, it's ridiculous. If you're a trainer having to do sessions at 6 a.m., you're gonna burn out. Rab, I skip into those sessions. Mm -hmm. I love them because I know that if I do a 6 a.m. session and a 7 a.m. session, I can be home by like 10 past eight. I can make sure that the kids aren't kicking up a fuss with their mom getting into the car, get them to school, give them kisses and cuddles, and then go back to work after that, and then do it all again at the 3 p.m. collection. It excites me so much that I have a job whereby I can bring people up a level and make sure they live the best version of themselves, and I get to be effectively like a full-time dad too Along alongside that. I do the school runs, I make sure I'm there, Wednesdays I take almost completely off because my youngest daughter Charlotte, she's three, we go swimming, so she has a swimming lesson and she's terrible with her mum. She's awesome with me, terrible with her (laughs) mum. And then 4 p.m. my daughter Izzy has a swimming lesson and she likes her mum going to that. So I hang out with Charlotte even more. And that just having that life, having a job whereby I can be truly flexible with my time, having a family that I think is just so wonderful and a wife that I adore all because of the role model I had in my mum. my life. I just love it so much. I love it so much, Rob. I can't, I can't say enough. It all just works.
1: No, that's, I mean, that's incredible. It certainly, it certainly wasn't the answer that I was expecting, but wow. at the same, at, this, at the same time I do, I think there's something there that perhaps, you know, conversations like these don't often speak to. And that is like recognition of building, I suppose, a clear example of a life that you really want versus maybe the life that we sometimes think we wanna have, if that makes sense.
2: makes total sense. Look, I'm here for a million little moments, Rab, not one Mm -hmm. big one. I don't want the big holidays. I don't Mm -hmm. want the big material things. I don't even want a big house. Do you know what I want? I want the flexibility. To be able to take my kids to school and pick them up i want to hear what my daughter's had for her lunch whether she hated it or not i want to give her the t- i want both my daughters to have the time with me every single day to tell them what's true to tell me what's truly on their mind like that's mm. all that matters like uh, for me i could I, li- I literally leave money on the table by refusing to work in a particular like eight to ten hours per week Like Wednesdays, I could say completely off. Fridays, oh, it's amazing, right? Let me tell you about Fridays. So Fridays, we (laughs) take uh, Izzy into school and then we drop Charlotte at preschool. Charlotte goes to preschool all day too. So she's in there nine till three. Now, uh, Mrs. B, she is full-time worker at home. I hate the term stay-at-home mum, or it's just nonsense. She works harder than anybody I know. She's phenomenal. And uh, it means that we get a whole day together. And we're just boyfriend and girlfriend, man. It's brilliant. So <laughs> I, like, I was like, oh, this is so cool. We're like, what should we do? We're like, should we go like somewhere and have some breakfast and just talk about the girls and just talk about us? She's like, yeah, that's, that sounds cool. Let's do that. And I was like, do you know what we should do? We should learn how to paddleboard. And so we, like f- a couple of Fridays ago, we just went on a paddleboarding lesson. None, Neither of us have ever been. I'm so unbalanced and terrible, Rab. I have such... <laughs> terrible terrible i'm just all levers, aren't i i'm so tall uh mrs b was great i was horrendous we had an amazing laugh just dating his boyfriend and girlfriend and to, to some of your listeners you would be thinking oh well done mate you went on a paddleboarding lesson with your wife what a hero but this is the kind of thing that give me a million of those over anything big over anything hugely aspirational that i have to put pressure on myself to either save for or look a particular way to a particular person i'm all about the million moments, small moments, significant moments, significant conversations, and meaningful interactions.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I don't know, Kate, about you, but certainly, I think we we may have talked about this a little bit, but certainly over the past, you know, eighteen months, for, you know, if we've had been in the position to do so, I think there's been more focus on like the experiences. In, in terms of what we do, and really reflecting, and it goes back to some of our previous guests had said about it's given the trajectory that you were on prior to whatever happened. If you've had the privilege of having the space to be able to move forward, it's ex, like ex, like you've moved closer to that trajectory in this time frame. And I think something for me that I've realized, and I think perhaps Kate, I think you've you've mentioned as well, is figuring out the certain things that you do want and the certain things that you don't want. And that's relating to like employment, the kind of difference you want to make um, the kind of relationships you want to foster and what that kind of future looks like. And I think Chris, you've said it yourself there that it's not, you know, it's not the five-star this and the five-star that. And for me, I I think I sort of felt somewhat similar. Like there, there is thing, there are things that I want to do, but they're, they're not what, I thought perhaps people had been telling me the things that I wanted to do were, I now know what I want to forge for myself and for like the people closest to me. And I think that's kind of what you've just been saying and doing.
2: Yeah. I, I, like I say, for me, um, I also understand my privilege, right? I live in a a, a very modest house, semi-detached house, but I live in a beautiful part of the world. It may be things would be different if I still lived in the council estate I grew up in, but I'm really thankful for that too. Mm. Like I'm really thankful for where I've come from because I understand fully what it means to have no money and very hard financial upbringing. But what I'm also really, really keen to do is make sure that I don't put those biases onto my girls. I understand how lucky I am to have like have everything I have right now. Um, everything down, we're, we're going to go into places now, Rab, we're going to go down, down some rabbit holes. Down, like the, the beauty of um, having kids, like there might be some people mm. listening to this, that actually everything I'm saying is like, I'm painting their ideal picture of what life might be, but actually they've realized they can't have children. Mm. Um mm. That, that was very clear for, for my two best friends. Uh, we very nearly didn't have as well. So when you go through, for, for instance, we, I talk about my kids and hopefully what comes across is glowing terms, but it took us eight years to get to Isabel and many, many, many tragic situations to mm. to get to where we were. So being grateful now is everything that I live for. And like I say, once you get the biggest moment out of the way, like for me getting married and having our first child were the two biggest moments of my life, nothing can compare to that. There's no holiday or car or clothes or Instagram filter that could ever come along that could ever top those moments. So everything, everything is insignificant versus that. The only thing that bears significance to that now is making sure that everything we work for to get there is respected, rewarded. It is a little plant we, we water daily and we make sure is growing the right way.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I I think, I mean, what you're saying speaks a lot to you know, I think was some stuff that re- that really matters. And I, I, I had said I'd said to Kate, like just off air, if you want to call it that, <laughs> cringe even say, Oh, hey, BBC, air. all right. Yeah, BBC. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I am the BBC. Um <laughs> like that that one of the reasons I wanted you to to like come on and and share your thoughts and stuff it was like a few years back like some bad stuff in our industry happened and I think you were one of the people who were like nah like we're so much better than this and we need to be so much better than this like and I think that just comes across in I saw like as we're talking it's almost like it, it's it's just ingrained in like the fiber of your being to kind of just be decent and i know like decent saying so basic but i think
0: it's the not way like-
1: yeah it, but it's not yeah exactly you know it, it's like that thing like being like we thought we could be decent men in, in decent time but this is essentially like this is what you're trying to do and i think it is entirely both admirable and like exemplary but also like it, it, what you're doing isn't isn't mad like it's not like oh look at all this like you're actually just being like being a good father to my kids and i'm being a good husband to my wife and i'm trying to foster a life in which they understand and they recognize that well,
2: it terrifies me rab that one day my girls might do a google search on me and what they drag up is something they're embarrassed by yeah yeah like, i it's a lot of people in our industry change right this is this is the way of the, the world like maybe a different frame on that is they don't change actually increased notoriety and increased money coming in actually might just put a spotlight on who they really are Mm. it might have been hiding who they really are we just don't know but when i think about these situations that have cropped up in our industry um i don't necessarily bury my head in the sand but i take a huge step back on everyone and everything and think okay (laughs) if i let the behaviors of other people drive my behavior then i they're living rent-free in my head yeah So everything I do is all about control. And if people are doing things that are less than noble and less than uh, less than whatever the word might be, um, less than right, then eventually that will always get found out. Eventually, the cards always lay where they're meant to lay. Hmm. So I just like let people burn themselves out if they need to (laughs) and concentrate solely on Um, making sure that like, for me, my, my brand, my business, uh, my personal brand, my personal business, uh, and lift the bar and curious fitness and everything I've ever got an interaction with. All of it is at the mercy of a eventually 16 year old girl doing a Google search on her dad and finding something that is either going to delight her or horrify her. And they're, they're my biggest judge. Like nobody in our industry can judge me versus more than what I will myself or what my family will. And I like to think I'm doing a good job of doing the husband thing, but only time will tell if I'm doing a good job on the dad thing, because eventually mm. they're going to come looking for what their dad is on the internet and they're going to find stuff. And that, ter- <laughs> that terrifies me, but it also yeah. focuses your mind to make sure you're putting out the right message. So Izzy Charlotte, if you're listening to this, it's <laughs> 1516 16 now, uh, daddy, sorry for the stuff you said today.
1: <laughs> Put it in a time capsule and, and send yeah. it.
2: Password well, protect me, please, guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but this is, like I, again, this is not the direction that I anticipated our conversation going, but I am absolutely thrilled that it's heading in this direction. Yeah, I, I really, really appreciate this so far. Um, what I will do is I will skip some of the ones that, are the questions that we sort of um, earmark, because I think you actually have addressed a lot already. But what I do want to ask, and there probably is something in this, um, But what what's the most important thing we should know about you, Chris?
2: That everything I do, everything, is to make really four women proud: mm. my mum, my sister, uh, my mum, my wife, and my two daughters. And if I can make my sisters proud alongside that, then so be it. But sometimes they're just assholes, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and that is what I wake up thinking. How do I make these people happy today? How do I make them proud of me today? That's what i go to bed thinking. And every single day I, on the same, I go on the same dog walk every day. And I ask myself the question, why do I feel the way I feel today? Mm. Might sound again, a little bit, I don't think do things like meditation. I have too much of a busy mind for that. I've tried just not for me, not my bag, but I will ask myself the question every day. uh, Why do I feel the way I feel today? And, Usually uh, I can answer that question two or three minutes, but sometimes I feel sad. Okay. Why do I feel sad? And usually it's something I'm not taking control of. Um, why do I feel anxious? Okay. Maybe it's not a situation I've dealt with properly and needs to be addressed. Um, I feel pressure. Okay. Who from, what have I not done that I said I was going to do. And by doing that, it allows me to keep control of my emotions and answer every single day. Have I made a happy home today? That's it. Like, Hmm. If I go to work and I perform at half level, I will feel bad. I will feel bad for my team. My team could potentially put pressure on. They'll start nagging me. uh, And I will then bring less than my best to my house. Mm. Everything has an impact when I don't do the things that I set out to do for my family. Um, And if I feel less than the father I'm meant to be, less than the husband I'm meant to be, less than the son I'm meant to be, it's usually because of my actions. So I take personal responsibility for everything I do. That's what I really want people to understand about me more than anything, that everything is about my family and I take personal responsibility for everything because when I do that, I take control of my life and hopefully give a happy one to the people that matter most.
1: Yeah, that's unreal. Um, I love it. I love this stuff. This is, uh, again, without saying so much, this is like kind of the certainly the amount of stuff that i wanted to kind of bring light to with with what we're doing with this podcast so it's it's great to it's great to have that answer and i think that is more kind of linked with your why as well i think i could have asked what's your why and i think that is clearly um wrapped up in in your why as well
2: yeah yeah i mean there's another component to this as well is that um like for the last seven years like working like Business is a roller coaster, right, and there's times that things go terribly bad, times that go terribly high, and life experiences teach you to navigate that roller coaster well, but during this roller coaster wrap i didn't take care of my own personal health, and I know this is a health podcast I didn't mm-hmm. take care of it very well sometimes when the pressure is super super on, I mean you wake up, have a kind of white monster for breakfast, <laughs> uh, and then you follow up with a diet Coke about an hour later, then a couple of coffees, and then. Uh, I'm too busy to train. So I don't take care of myself. Don't eat right. And then you end up with uh, all kinds of hormonal issues. Like if in my case, I've got to take thyroxine for the rest of my life. And you think, mm. oh God, there's certain times where I am so tired, so agitated, so grumpy and not being the best I could be in any situation. And something I want to put across uh, probably at this stage, because I know again, it's health and it's certainly a wellness component to it is that if I could wave a magic wand over the situations that have gone, got, been and gone over the f- last few years, I'd have had somebody in my corner telling me, stop treating yourself like an asshole and actually go and do some exercise. Eat some vegetables, stop buying stupid stuff for your fridge at home because what you're going to do is going to end up needing a light medication for the rest of your life unless you sort yourself out. You'll be tired constantly, agitated constantly, and you need to stop doing what you're doing. But hindsight's a, a beautiful thing, right?
1: Mm. yeah yeah, yeah. Jamie, your absolutely um i am going to hand over to kate who is going to uh, take you through kind of like the latter part of the questions and uh, again uh, like first five are usually fairly light so like, <laughs> like <laughs> i can I, I can only imagine i can only imagine the the heights that we'll we'll get to next. so kate i leave chris in your more than capable hands
0: Brilliant. Thank you so much. I promise now I won't be throwing any Spanish away, Chris. But with that said, I am going to go rogue on the first question. Nice. uh, Bear with me. Um, Just on the note, like starting off, you mentioned the gym as a method, maybe to invest in a bit more confidence. Um, Yeah. With business, you mentioned the trials and tribulations and and how it can affect your own well being and your own needs. Uh, but tying it back to maybe confidence, I suppose the more you push the boat out with business or getting a team around you, I suppose you venture into the unknown. Like, how do you maintain your confidence or, you know, I suppose keep that belief in yourself even when maybe shit hits the fan?
2: <laughs> it's such that's an amazing question. Honestly, it's such a good question. And for me, there's, there's so much at play in this. Um, firstly, when, when it hits the fan, I'm going to go straight back to home and I'm going to tell my wife immediately what has happened. so that I, I never used to do this, Kate. I used to bottle it up and then she would wonder what's going on. And she, the people know. They're not, they're not stupid. My wife's known me for 21 years. She's not stupid. She knows when something is wrong. So when you bottle things up, then she starts thinking, okay, how severe is it? How bad is it? And actually, is it about me? Like, because we yeah. all get like little wobbles here and there. So the first thing I do is I go home and tell Mrs. B what's going on and how I intend to deal with it, because then it addresses the elephant in the room about why I may be stressed, why I may be anxious, may may be really really sad. Then, once I've done that, I have a really good conversation and try and separate out the emotion from the fact. Something I've learned on the roller coaster that is business is that the problem you are facing is never as big as you think it is at the moment you are thinking about it. The Mm. problem you are facing is never as big as you think it is at the very moment you are thinking about it. Because most of us, when we think about problems, are glass half empty or overly optimistic? There's way too much emotion at play. And so what we do is we take away the emotion as best as we can and write down on a piece of paper, what are the true facts here? And then once you do that, it gives you a very easy to-do list about how to manage things. And if those to-do lists have elements outside your control, it gives you a hit list of people who you need to go and ask for help from. Because there are so many people that will help business owners out of situations as long as you're willing to ask. Too many, and nobody teaches you how to run a business properly. Nobody teaches you how, in our space, how to be self-employed. Being employed is masochistic in its nature. we all want to help people i want to help teach 80 year olds how to do push-ups but nobody ever told me about cash flow bookkeeping accountancy marketing sales and all of the administration tasks that have to go alongside running a good business so that i can teach push-ups better so at times we do have to lean on people and as the business grew and did well um, i bought in the right names the right faces to fit who I was one of the most terrible things anybody could do is build themselves a team around them of people just like them so the biggest confident I have in at my disposal is Claire Winter she is the person Mm. that effectively runs lift the bar she is a phenomenon but one thing that I have valued in her from day one is that she will never ever ever just tell me what I want to hear She is not a nodding dog. She is not a yes person. She is someone to challenge me. She is someone to say, if I'm slipping up on things I was meant to do and don't follow through on and it impacts member experience, she is the one that pulls me to task on it. It's funny how the roller coaster has less steeps and less, so less highs and less lows since I had somebody like her in my life to pull me to task when I'm not doing the things I was meant to do. That's so so important. So going back through uh, when it comes to navigating business, number one, if you are struggling to run one, welcome to the club. That is normal. (laughs) Being self-employed or running a business is masochistic, but you're doing it because you know it's the greater good for you. But Mm. if you've got people at home who are stakeholders in your life, be honest with them. Then when you do that, separate fact from emotion. And then once you've got the facts written down, make a to-do list on how you best tackle them sometimes you might need to generate money sometimes you might need to get more clients in sometimes you might need to do things that make you grossly uncomfortable but at least you've got a hit list of people who you need, need to ask for support from and that is fine and that is normal
0: yeah deadly thank you jeannie mac i've gotten so much from that so <laughs> so i have no doubt that the listeners have too that's brilliant and um, thank you i think that's there's so much clarity there um from that um maybe slightly rogue as well um, but just going on uh, I just found the the first half of this so like, so fascinating so thank you so much Chris. um but you mentioned obviously family is to the forefront of everything that you do um, and I was just wondering like for me definitely as I've As I get older, um, and I like to think that I'm getting more mature and I suppose, you know, getting more to terms with life and just how difficult it is from friends and um, you know, life experiences I suppose that are thrown our way. You mentioned kids and you know, that's kind of a given when you're younger, and then reality is can be often so different. Um so what I'm getting at here is I think as we as we get older, maybe well I'd like to think that it's uh, clearer to see you know the the smaller things well that aren't small but our our family our friends things that we really really care about and maybe the pandemic shined uh kind of shown a light on that yes did you find that you know it was always easy particularly I just I'm trying to think of all the ways that I suppose you could be pulled running your business and and growing up yourself. Did you find that it it was quite difficult to always see really what mattered? And like, did that waver somewhat over the years?
2: Yeah, absolutely it did. So um, in the house, always fine. Like Sam and I are strong and um, there've been times whereby maybe in the evenings And she's pulled me up on this, whereby it's 10 p.m. in the evening, I'm replying to clients. um, And there's times where I'm replying to emails. And sometimes, let's face it, some of those clients that I have are are women. So I'm texting another woman. I'm sat on the sofa next to the most incredible woman I've ever met in my entire life. And I'm texting another person. Now, it doesn't matter if I'm adjusting calories or saying, do this tomorrow. The cold hard facts are that I am texting another woman whilst I'm sat next to the most brilliant person I've ever met. That's not okay. So what you learn to uh, to do is set professional boundaries and actually stick to them. And if clients don't follow them, just because somebody sends you a message at 10 p.m. doesn't mean to say you got a reply. It just starts, you know, you just reply to it when you clock on at eight or nine in the morning. Like uh, what I've realized that over time and uh, through learned experience is that nothing that I can do as a personal trainer or a business owner is life and death. And if it is, they shouldn't be speaking to me. Because sometimes we do get vulnerable clients that do need specific help and we need to be able to signpost out in that, in that case. Uh, another thing is that I'm somebody who spent far too long on too many unimportant tasks and something I'll never, ever, ever be able to fully repay is my two best friends' trust and faith in me. It's something that makes me very sad, very, very sad indeed. So uh when you do it, when I start LTB, uh got an awful lot of industry friends, right? And my two best friends sometimes they would text me and I wouldn't reply. They see on WhatsApp, they know the two blue ticks are there. They're trying to like arrange nights out, they're trying to do this. Yet on Instagram or Facebook, they're seeing me with my good friend, my good friend this person. I'm with my good friend this person. It's like, oh well I was best man at your wedding but it would appear that you know you have new friends now you have industry friends that have abs and like talking about calories like what happened to us and then um there were times in their life where they needed me and I wasn't there and there were times in their life where they needed me and they didn't even ask anymore because they knew they probably wouldn't get a reply or if they get a reply it'd be like six days later so there are things I'm in the early part of this podcast, uh, I probably put it across that I'm you know, I'm conscientious about everyone and that's not always been the case. At home, yes, but we are not just the product of who we have at home. Yes, I want to make the girls proud, but you know what makes the girls proud? The girls be proud when they know that I am a good friend to Uncle Sam's and Uncle Dave. They know that when I'm a good friend to them, uh, that their daughters want to be friends with them too. And I lost track of what was real and replaced it with what wasn't real. And I forgot how to have the difference between true, honest friends who would walk through fire to make sure I was okay, and replace them with people who just wanted to share a few likes here or there really. (laughs) And, and, And that makes me feel terrible. I'll never properly forgive myself for the five years where I didn't give them my best. I'll never properly forgive. And you know, the catalyst for changing that was lockdown. Uh, and in the last, like just over 450 days, me and my two best mates have not had one single day without being in contact with each other on WhatsApp. I am making up for that lost time. Like I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed that one of my friend's daughters, Evelyn is just turned date. And I've seen her three times in my life. This is a guy that's best man at my wedding. It's embarrassing, embarrassing. And I see it all the time. And the reason why I'm picking up on this and I'm very emotional about it is that I see so many young trainers make the same mistake. It's so awful because what's going to happen is they're going to realize their good industry friend is not a good industry friend. It's fine for them to be an industry colleague. That is cool. Ideas swap, go to events, have dialogue. But if you're doing that and you're replacing your, your real with a colleague, it's madness. And you've got, I'm going to ask your listeners to just take my word for it. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. I think yeah yeah well, thanks for being so honest I think uh, yeah I could see a bit of myself maybe in some of your answer there um a few things don't sit to well with me with maybe times that you know I just wasn't there when I should have been so um but I think maybe the point to take there is whatever about professional boundaries you know it goes back to to that like learning when to to clock off or I suppose reframing what you know, what's going on and what's really important. So yeah, thanks for for that. Um, And I suppose to go back to maybe where I should have brought you in the first place, Chris, um, and to maybe look at it, um, to bring us back to your area of expertise um, in the world of health. um, What do you think i suppose what's the direction that health is heading in um at the moment do you think
2: the direction of health
0: yeah for you wow. what, what
2: yeah in my health or just industry-wise
0: either or whatever you whatever i oh, suppose spring okay. springs uh, to mind for you
2: but something that i'm really pleased to see is there's a equal emphasis at the moment it would appear on Physical and mental well being. I think that's super important. What I don't think there's enough emphasis on is actually what mental well being can genuinely be. And whether it's talking therapy or whether it is having access to someone who can listen to you impartially and offer solid advice, I think most people, if they have someone who can listen to them and actively listen, undistracted listening, it's one of the most powerful things any of us could ever have. Somebody I used for that about five years ago, Kathy McDonald. She's, I know she's a, a big name in the, the, the health space now. By having somebody who could listen and interpret what was in my head and ask me the right questions so I could answer my own sticking points myself, that mm. was super helpful. Uh, but when it comes to physical well-being, it would appear that there's a really good emphasis at the moment on getting people to exercise because it makes them feel good, not just because it makes them look good. All of us, every single one of us, can go onto Instagram and be made to feel less significant. We can be mm. made to feel less beautiful, less worthy, because what we're looking at is a curated picture of someone who has access to good editing, good lighting, well-staged, good camera, and 400 versions of a very similar photo and cherry pick the one that worked. Yeah, <laughs> We've just seen a bit of research, haven't we? And In fact, Facebook are trying to hide it, yeah. of where like Instagram quite literally makes people less, a particular demographic, less happy. And what I love to do is see health go in the direction of do exercise because it releases endorphins, because it makes you feel great, because it makes you stronger, more resilient. It makes you harder to kill. It makes you offset the chances of long-term morbid disease. And because ultimately it's the one way we have to control how long we potentially stay on this planet. Unless you've got terrible bad luck, obviously there's certain factors that that we just can't dodge. But all of us can increase our chances of living on this planet a little bit longer. And hopefully in this podcast so far, you've listened to why that might matter to someone like me. Because if I could make 900,999,999 turn into 1 million small little moments, it'd be worth it. And I know that by spending a little bit of time on myself a few times a week and making sure I put some vegetables in my mouth occasionally, <laughs> that maybe just maybe I don't just get to walk my daughters down the aisle. Maybe I get to walk my granddaughters down the aisle too. Maybe that'll be cool. I'd be pretty rogue for a granddad, but i tell you what, let the dad most <laughs> jacked granddad in the world. Yeah. But, but where, where, where my health is going like that, that's that. If you ask the question where, where's my health going, uh, my vision is to be able to walk my grandchildren down the aisle, side by side with whoever the father, side by side with the fathers, right? That, that I'm obviously gonna do it for my girls. If my girls have, if they give me granddaughters one day, if that's what they choose, or that's what they're able to do, mm-hmm. then I wanna walk them down the aisle too. That's all I exercise for, that's all my health is for. And I just wish more people would have that long-term view. And it's not just like a new vision I've had for this. I train a, a guy that turns 90 in uh, in two weeks time most remarkable guy and listening to his life and listening to how times have changed and how much emphasis he puts on exercise, just allowing him to be here that little bit longer and what that means on a daily basis. It's just incredible. And that's Mm -hmm. what I wouldn't see more of. I want to see more talk of longevity. I want to talk more about experiences and more about how exercise and eating right can make us have these million little moments. That's what I want
0: amazing amazing um so just before we wrap up because i'm actually nearly died looking at the time (laughs) thank you so much you've got so
2: much much editing to do man i can't wait (laughs) um, welcome to this three minute podcast with chris burgess it's like eat well and talk to people (laughs) yeah
0: um So to wrap up, Chris, I might just ask you probably the lightest question of today. And that is, if you could pick three dinner guests, dead or alive, who would you invite to your table?
2: Okay, I'm going to give you one chance to guess three people that I might have there.
0: Well, right. uh, going off the family, I feel like <laughs> your daughters and your wife, <laughs> your mom. Exactly
2: might like I want, I want <laughs> nothing more than what I have. Like it's an aspirational question. Like I always think, hmm, yes, I, at this moment in time, I quite like Taika Waititi. I think he's an amazing director, Sam Rockwell, an amazing actor. And by the way, Jojo Rabbit's one of my favorite films. Uh, so yeah, th- those two. And then I don't know, Taylor Swift or someone, cause she's like amazing. And I love her. Uh, but then you think, well, maybe I should have Thierry Henry because I love him as a football player. <laughs> I think, well, actually, that sounds, sounds like such a faff organising. Have you ever tried to organise people for this? Terrible. <laughs> so do you know what? I, as, a, as a joking-y kind of answer, um, yeah, I, I'd probably pick Taika Waititi. I love the way he directs. Um, oh God, we're going to go deep again. Sorry. Uh, if you watch Taika Waititi's earlier films, effectively, he is the pinnacle of writing stories about being a boy from a broken home. Hmm. it's flawless uh, writing about being somebody from a broken home. And that's what I am. Um, so yeah, he, he picks that. Sam Rockwell has played a character in two films whereby effectively he is uh, caring for a boy from a broken home. Uh, so that, that ticks a lot of boxes to do. <laughs> and uh, Thierry Henry. Yeah. I don't know if he's from a broken home, but he's a good footballer. So we'll go with that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, 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 the honest answer is I, I, I'm, and that's what I'll always try and be with, with anybody I speak to, I just I just want dinner with Izzy and Charlotte and Sam. That that'd be fine for me.
0: Mm. Excellent. Well, that's such a nice way to to end today's chat. So, thank you so much, Chris, for this conversation. Like, there's just so much to get from it, and it's just been an absolute pleasure. You've given me a I know a lovely like lift. So, thank you personally oh, and on behalf of uh, the podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. It's been um very revelatory to to a degree. I think you know, you go in with one I one concept of I know it's gonna be good, but I think there's been a lot more kind of depth to to this than not, I'm not saying that there's been less depth in other areas, but certainly this has been something to give people um, a lot of thinking, a lot of not soul searching, but certainly. It's been deep. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, with less words, right? It's you. been deep. I'm
2: sorry. You're <laughs> welcome. I don't know quite what the what they saying is, but yeah, I, I just, one, one thing I will do is, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you giving me like questions that allow me to speak about the things I love more than anything, and that's kind of what I what I love doing.
1: The name of the game. Thank you. Yeah, really appreciate it, Chris.
2: You're welcome. Thank you.